Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hello and welcome to The Mentor, I'm Mark Boris. My guests today are Don Robertson and Matilda Murray. They are the co-owners of Stax. Now Stax is a fashion-forward premium activewear brand made for performance and lifestyle. When working from home became the norm this year, Stax had a surge of new business as people started to work and work out from home and demand for comfortable clothing just boomed. So much so that during lockdown earlier this year, Stax released a collection of activewear that earned them $150,000 in just seven minutes. When people's attention focused online, Stacks used their social media reach to highlight the brand to a captive audience. They had the right product for the right time, which has made Stacks 2020 the best year to date with 2,000% growth. Wow. Early on, their stock was affected by COVID as their factories were forced to close over a six-week period, leaving them without any product. But when factories returned to work, their online sales boomed and they were more in demand than ever. I'm going to ask Don and Matilda how the business has leveraged the visual impact of social media to create brand recognition, how they've dealt with a huge increase in customer demand, what's the dynamics of partners when they're romantically attached, how does that work, and how their strategy and business models work to make this year the best on record for the business. Go e-commerce, so let's get into it. Don and Matilda, welcome to The Mentor. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. You're welcome. Now... You're a couple. You're partners. Business partners? Yeah, and romantic. And romantic partners. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Romantic partners. So it's, it's rare that I get um, a couple in uh, to talk to me. So uh, that's pretty cool. Um, generally speaking, most of the entrepreneurs that I deal with are sort of one out and uh, you know, they've got partners, but they're not in the same business. So um, I, I actually want to explore that a little bit, the, the dynamics of being in business with your partner. Like, Yeah, people are very interested in that. Yeah. Aspect of how we do things. It's yeah, being at home all the time, and then then you know, being at work and all that shit, and then also COVID and how that affected everybody when you're in lockdown and you now you're in each other's pockets twenty four hours a day. Um, that would be a for me anyway. That would be a tricky one to um, navigate. But we'll get back to that. Um, well, can I ask how'd you guys meet? Where'd you meet? So <laughs> we're both from Perth originally. Yeah. Um, we moved over to Sydney early two thousand and nineteen. I oh, only been here for a little while. Yeah, yeah, just under two years. So you've got an English accent? I'm actually South African. South African? Yeah. Well, you got you got an accent. So yeah. I, I didn't pick it. Okay. <laughs> and then, where, can I just, just worry about some birth? Because birth one of my favorite places in Australia. So Yeah, so it's funny because so, um, we met smack bang in the middle of the city uh, and then Till lived in Joondalup and I lived in Kangvale, so opposite, opposite ends. ends. And then, um, yeah, so we sort of met. So right. why'd you come over here? Like why'd you come? Why'd you come over to the east side? I, mean, like, I know West Australians, generally speaking, you know where the is the dark side over here. So yeah, I mean, we, we, I mean, we were quite removed from that, but it was purely based on business. It was a business decision. You know, mm-hmm. Till and I were heavily involved in you know fashion um, and social media, and the brand was booming at that point. But we got to a point where we just sort of capped out. You know, logistically, it didn't make sense. It was expensive to trade from Perth. It took forever to ship. We were 100% e-com. So um, shipping worldwide, importing from China and the world, everything stops by Sydney first anyway. Oh, is that right? So we saved three days on transit times. Um, And then, yeah, that and just the exposure to the industry for us, you know, the the whole fashion scene and the e-com scene is just quite advanced in Sydney. Oh, there is there, there is a noticeable difference then, is there? 100%. Yeah, it, we hit the ground running. Do you mean in terms of networking of people? Yes. Or, yeah. Networking, models, um, you know, everything you can think of. In Access to all the all the inventory that you need to run a business like this. And just, just professionals to support, you know, photographers, videographers, 
creatives. Perth is Perth is a little bit laxy in that sense. People just hanging out. Yeah, you know, well, not if you're in the mining industry, though. Well, so, yeah, I think a lot of it is FIFO in Perth. Yeah, yeah. So over here, there's a lot of people that are Sydney based and working, which I think has been. And you know, really we also wanted to push the boundaries in our, in our brand. Um, so people didn't quite always get that. We want to do quite creative fashion things. We want to do creative campaigns, but mm. you're quite limited. You know, one thing that was noticeable is the amount of studios, for example. Here. Yeah, compared to in Perth. There's not a lot of studios to shoot in. Is that right? There's, there's tons of studios to shoot in, um, just from a photography point of view. Yeah, so access. Mm. So uh, uh, let's go back a little bit. Let's peel back f- from beyond 2009. Did you say you arrived here? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So let's peel back a bit. Uh, you both look like you're probably in your 30s. So. Oh, I'm well, 28. That's touchy. <laughs> 31, 21. 28. <laughs> 28. 28, okay, Close, close enough. So... Let's go back to, say, 10 years. I mean, what's the deal? What, what were you guys doing 10 years ago? So my background is in recruitment um, and I always thought I'd be in a safe corporate job. Um, and I met Don on St. George's Terrace. He was working in a supplement store. I was working in recruitment. I would go in on my lunch break and um, buy a protein bar and flirt with the cute supplement store boy. <laughs> and I never, ever thought that I would leave my safe job to go and sell tights, like, ever. Um, and, yeah, I was just working recruitment, started receptionist and then kind of moved my way up into a senior consultant account manager role, and that was me. That's what I thought anyway. I didn't think I had a passion. I was just like, oh, yeah, recruitment's easy, you know, work hard, get paid well. That like will, any typical me. girl 21 or 20, t- just give me a job. Yeah, absolutely. I'll see, rent, how it, yeah, I'll see how it kind of pans out. So you weren't some sort of super ambitious person not, not really no you, know, you weren't sort of saying i'm going to change the world with my a fashion label one day no absolutely not i wish i was i wish i had this story where i was like this is what i wanted to do my whole life but i literally met don fell in love with him and fell in love with the brand as well so don don was stacks before yeah. this yeah so stacks started as a supplement store called muscle stacks oh um, right <laughs> was it your store or yeah it was yeah. my store yeah. the the long story short of it i i opened it up in a gym i was working in um, and then things didn't work out. It went really, really bad about two years in. And then the gym we were in went into liquidation and we didn't have a lease contract. So they just assumed that everything that was part of that facility belonged to that facility. So they seized all that as well. So all we your lost, inventory. lost our inventory, lost our equipment. Um, without having to fight much into it, I just pretty much decided to cut my losses and decided to launch apparel online. Um, but did you have apparel at the time? At the time we did apparel. Um, as well as the I supplements. Saw it, I saw it coming. I saw things weren't working out and we we pivoted. I decided to change. We built an e-com site through well, Shopify. Well, I want to know about this a little bit because when you say you saw it coming. So um, let's just go back a few steps. And, um, and and before we get on to how you and Matilda sort of kicked off together in the business, but let's just go back a bit. You were working in a gym and you had your own line of supplements called something I was, stacks. I was a retailer. So we, we sold supplement brands, so proteins and just a whole variety, whatever, whole variety. Yeah, well, whatever, what everyone was taking, you know, all that various different types yep. of proteins and various stuff. So you, you like, you're like a, just a store, a retail store. And at the same time we were doing community apparel. So we did muscle stacks apparel, you know, t-shirts for the community. What Everyone community, in what, 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 the, the gym, gym. community, right, Canningville, right. shout out to Canningville in Perth. Everyone in Canningville was wearing my t-shirts. Um, right. And yeah. it, it was called muscle stacks. It was it? called muscle stacks yeah, yeah. at that time. And then, yeah, just it, it went really well, um, but I realized that the agreements weren't in place and the structure of the business wasn't in place. I think it was 22 at that stage. You got crushed, liquidated crush it. Badly. So but like, how, how is it like, where's your sort of uh, sense of um, fashion and apparel come from? Like, yeah, what's that deal? So uh, growing up in South Africa, um, I'd always been involved in the arts, um, you know, entertainment, did a bit of music. Um, Worked in a bit of theatre, did a lot of that in school. So the creative side was probably the most inspiring side in me that I enjoyed the most. Um, and then I also love sport. So when I finished school, just before I finished school in South Africa, I got an internship at Nike. A, a internship at yeah. Nike? Yeah, okay, cool. So I worked there for about 12 months um, for no pay. Just learned a lot. Uh, I repacked stock rooms and I was just I was just um, absorbing everything. I was absorbing the environments and that's pretty much, I think, the foundation of uh, what I wanted to achieve. And I had that in the back of my mind the entire time. So when we moved to um, Australia, um, I worked at Foot Locker 
for a while and um, just really learned the hustle and bustle of retail. But that whole fashion thing, where, where's that? I mean, I know you said you, you do some creative stuff because a lot of people sort of would, would be listeners and be saying, well, I, I like fashion, you know, I like to do what Stacks have done, um, but it's not just a matter of I like to. Um, there's there's some sort of driving thing in there. There's something, some sort of passion that makes you actually get off your ass and do it like and, and push through all the shit times too. Where is that your parents or no, was it Matilda when she came along? She pushed you along. I mean, what 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 is it? Yeah, I just, I just think it's it's the ability to create freely. You know, fashion fashion is an art form. Um, it's a, so from that perspective, I can't. So myself. you define it. So you, you, so you define it. You you say fashion's an art form. So because a lot of people don't look at it like that. I mean, I don't look at fashion as an art form because you know, like I'm not a I'm not a fashionista in any way. But um, I get it now when you say it because defining something straight up, articulating it with a definition, fashion is an art form. All of a sudden, you look at it differently. I mean, is that your thought process? We we get to create for people. You know, we get to make a product for people that makes them feel better. That makes them, you know, we believe, look better. Um, we we create things in a way that is a little different in our space. So it's for me, it's the ability to express ourselves. Um, yeah, that's what that's what I love most about fashion. Um, and then we've just brought it into activewear. Yeah, into yeah, fitness fashion. Mm. Well, that, that's interesting. That um, that's interesting having um. Uh, a definition of something that's uh, to me defining something like that makes it a bit more sexy to be honest with you it makes it more interesting and more attractive really, yeah. but that's what that's what sort of inspired me to to do a lot of independent research and understand the major fashion brands of the world you know like the Louis Vuitton and the Balenciagas and the Dior's and understanding the history and the story of how they started and what they've contributed to the world and the society and understanding the following that they've they've built through you know 100 Hundred years, for example, the community, same, right? Community, same with like Nike and Adidas. The story behind it, like they actually artists. You know, the designers are creatives, and it makes people want to be a part of something as well. Which I think, like, we're very big on too. People will shop stacks and then they want to share it because we've built a community where people, yeah, people feel welcomed and people feel like they're part of something. Which I think is like one of our like driving factors when it comes to fashion too. Maybe I'll ask you, Matilda, because like you obviously met this very handsome um, young man <laughs> working in a store, and uh, as you say, you fell in love with him. But what yeah. what sort of sucked you into the vortex of what fashion represents, like the definition that just fashion's an art form? What what sucked you in? Like what pulled you into all this? I think I've always loved fashion, um, but uh, yeah, but yeah, but in the same way. No, no. So, so well, how did that? How did it? Yeah, Don is such a creative, and I think he's really just showed me. He's taught me about the history of fashion and he's taught me about the community that a brand can create. Um, and just hearing like how passionately he talks about things and how something so small to some people can have such a big meaning to others, which is now me as well. Um, it's really, yeah, I think that is like just hearing his passion and really like transferred across to me. Um, and like I said, I was just not interested in leaving my position. And then I fell in love with the process and fell in love with his passion for it. And he kind of passed that across too. And that's interesting because, um, look, for me, for anyone to be successful, in, I don't give a damn what it is, but in any venture, um, you've got to have somebody who's a student of the thing that that you're trying to promote. So think, let's call mm -hmm. it fashion. You're a student of fashion. So, you know, as you said earlier, Don, you, you – studied how all the other great brands became great brands, how they build the communities, as Matilda just mentioned. Like, um, and I guess um, you see it as it's more rewarding for you if you do see something as an art form. Um, in, your, in your case, you see fashion as an art form. And then what you do is you've got to get people who support you. You can't do it on your own. Um, and there's nobody better to support you if you're lucky enough to have that than your, your business partner or family member. But somehow you've got to, teach or transfer that same energy into that individual. Now, either Matilda was ready to accept that or alternatively you sort of pushed it to, towards her. I mean, did you sort of see Matilda as somebody, wow, here's a girl, she's smart, you know, blah, 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 she's with me, I can trust her and all that. Be good if she could come along with me on this journey or was it you, Matilda, who said, I really want to come along with Don on this journey, even notwithstanding the fact that it's, you're with him together. No way. I think for both of us, we were so reluctant to participate um, as, I guess, Yeah, because everyone's like, never work with your partner. Like, so, that's what we was drilled into us, so, never do that. So to give you context, at, at the time we met, um, Muscle Stacks went belly up. Like, shit hit the fan, it didn't work out. I was negative 80K in debt. Um, 
I was working four jobs at a time. I was not interested in a relationship. I was not interested in anything. I was just trying to make, I was so focused on making sure that I could keep my brand alive. So I had this job um, working for another retailer in the city until I come to the store every lunch break. And um, yeah, I mean, there was to just- To get a protein bar. To get a protein bar. Actually, and then, check you out. And to be honest, she used to, there's a funny story we tell. She used to come in and complain about the price of protein bars. And I was like, they were very overpriced. I was like, babe, think- it's like five dollars. <laughs> support small businesses. Um, but anyway, so it intrigued me. So you know, we grew fun of each other, etc. And then my, I thought it was quite um, clever with my pickup line. I gave her a pair of my tights. She pretended to love them. Are you already them. producing tights? Yeah, so, yeah. So I had managed to uh, rake up some money, and I bought three hundred pairs of tights um, in three different colorways, and I gave her. A pair. They were ugly. She pretended to love them, but I came to I didn't to like hear, them, but I thought Don was cute, so I just went with her. So I said to her, I was like, hey, babe, can you, I didn't say babe at that stage, I just said, hi, Matilda, could you please <laughs> uh, take a photo and I can post it of you on our Instagram and uh, I'll tag you. thought, oh, she could sort, I'll put her up. Uh, well, is she, it freebie for you? I mean, is it, she's a babe. It was, yeah, it was, it was good at the time. Some so nice content for, for okay, well, that was very so, ruthless. So it was clever, I thought. And so she took the photos, sent the photos through to me. Um, but well, it was through Instagram. No, but the quality the quality was was terrible. So I said, "Hey, can of you the photo?" Yeah. Apparently, so I said, "You need to send it to me via text." So we exchanged numbers, and then you know that old that old one. Eh? It, it, worked, it was so. smooth. Anyway, so it pretty much grew from there. Um, we we built our relation based on um, our personal relation first. You know, we got to know each other over time. I kept the business to myself because I was I was having a lot of struggles personally, and then it just sort of became a thing where Till started helping out more and more and more, and then. Her ideas just contributed more. And then before we knew it on weekends, we were doing pop-up stores together. Mm. Till is quite a leader as well in her community. So girls in the space were following her. Um, they were engaging with her as the medium of the brand, especially for women's activewear. Um, so it just guess, kind uh, of fell in place. I guess when it worked, if you had to put yourself off there a pair of tights. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's probably not the right, most appropriate thing to be doing. No, so. No. so like, what did you think of the tights? I did not like them at all. Why? What was wrong with them? They were just because I'm always intrigued about red active. I mean, yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand oh, how the it design. Works. So it said um, the our motto or our quote is "passion over everything," and um, Don's design had the A double S, so the ass in passion highlighted. So the tight said "ass over everything." <laughs> but, I mean, it, it was just wow. Not, that's too bad. That is just it, <laughs> it still was just passion. not my thing. It was just not my thing. But I mean, but, but what about the, the fit and the the style? Is that okay? Yeah. So the style, they were a blue pair of tights and uh, with a white strip down the side. Um, and people ask for them to come back now. They're like, oh, they're so like iconic in the Stax brand. So. Um, they were ahead of its time. Yeah, That's what were. I explained to people. Okay. <laughs> um, so they were nice, but we have definitely perfected the tights. Um, we now have a pair of tights called our Best Black Tights. and Your Best Bite? Best Black Tights. Best Black Tights. And they are the best black tights. We've definitely come a long way since. It's one of those stories where your first product is the one you're most embarrassed about. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't phenomenal. Um, it took us about four years to really perfect that mm-hmm. product, and then we've just launched our seamless range, which is incredible, and that took us about five years to really nail as well. So uh, the, fir- the first product sold. You know, I was able to sell them all from the back of my car, yep. um, but we've definitely gotten better from that point. So uh, just in terms of the dynamic, because I'll talk about the business and the product maybe after half time. but one of the things I want to get my head around is uh, when, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how you know this stuff, but like you gone and bought th- – Three colors of tights, I guess, in three or four. I don't, I don't know how many sizes girls have, but like five women sizes for argument's sake. Like, how'd you do that? I mean, did you get on a telephone, did you get on the internet and find someone in China to do it for you, or did you just yeah, I mean, wholesaler here? Alibaba is a brilliant tool. Yeah. Um, yeah, every supplier you can think of is listed on there. So, just extensive research on there, lots and lots of samples. But, ha- but you just, oh, but did you buy to get samples in? Or, or I mean, ha- I mean, because Alibaba is an online thing, so you, you can't walk into an Alibaba store in here and look through it. And, or, and did you travel to China to get stuff? Or not what? for our first run. For the first run, I shopped uh, to find a supplier. I drew up my sketches. Um, you know, I measured the product and created the specification of what I wanted. But how did you know what to get? Research, you know, there were so many brands doing activewear at the time. Um, you just went and buy, bought something from everybody and just had a look at it all. I didn't even buy it. I went and looked at it in stores. Um, yeah. And then when I was chatting to suppliers, they obviously had a lot of base models um, that they sent through and then we made adjustments. I got some girls to try it on. Um, 
we, I was working in the fitness industry at that stage. So every time I got, you know, a whole pack of um, samples in, many of them were really piss poor. Um, I got girls to try them on. We did fittings. I did adjustments, went back and forth for a couple of months. And then we finally found a pair and a cut and a fit that we loved. And we were ready to bring it to market. That's your first run, though. That was our first run. Yeah, because I mean, I, I mean, as I don't know much about tights, but I mean, sometimes I, like, if I, I mean, I, when I box, I have to wear tights for, you know, for a whole lot of reasons under my shorts and uh, just blokes' tights. Uh, I mean, I've tried them all, um, the branded ones anyway, the ones you buy at something like Rebel or something. You know, I just go and, and I've tried them all, and they're all different, and they're all sort of hold you, so to speak, differently, you know, and uh, some are comfortable, some are uncomfortable, some don't tie properly around the waist, you know, they feel like they're, they're not pro- right around the waist, some are too tight. Um, I don't know, uh, there's, looks like to me the uh, the old ones, the original ones that everyone used to wear, all the play, football players used to wear, um, I don't know, the well-known ones, I can't even think they're nothing called now, but um, they had to seem to have different material, they, they were real compression tights, um, you're, so I'd, I don't, I couldn't get my head around it, I, I still can't get my head around what's the right sort of material and what the right product is. Did you go into that depth? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Over time though, because those are the things you don't realize at first. You think that, you know, tights are very complicated. It's easy to print a t-shirt and sell a t-shirt with your logo on. Yeah. But, you know, tights and activewear, it's it's a specification. It's it's a technology that's used yeah. to create the fabric. And then it goes into this technology that's used to actually create the product. Um, that, was a, that was a huge trial and error process. You know, we constantly improved on the product. And we didn't get it right for many years. Um, we constantly took the feedback and, and reformulated the product, made those little improvements here and there um, and found the right fabric. The fabric is the key. The fabric is everything because the fabric will determine how the product really feels. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, that's what I mean by functional. I mean, you know, it can't pull up or whatever. I mean, I don't know what the, whatever it can do. But so you, you've got to have it. Well, so what are the tenets of what your product should be? Like you saying, and, and how long did it take you to work this shit out? Like functionality, in other words, I'm also – it's called modesty, if that's a word. Yeah, squat proof. Um, squat proof is the is everything. Squat proof. Is, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's okay. the term. That's give it like for if, modesty. If it's yeah. not if it's not squat proof, it's not even worth bringing out. Like mm. that's the number one test. Is it number one? So no, the, the, number uh, one is squat so proof. Girls, you, you, is your marketplace girls or boys and girls? Probably seventy percent women. Okay, so that's a big piece of your market. So, um, the, the, one of the first things they have put up there, and they actually use that word squat proof. Yeah, right? is it squat proof? Yeah, which means I can do a squat in the gym. Yeah. Without my bu- my bum show, my undie show, totally. whatever the case may be, is, yeah. that, is that what we're talking about? That's best case scenario. Yeah. 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 Okay. And uh, and then what can out of out of interest? What's the second thing that um, this stuff's got to? What's the second thing that everyone looks for apart from price? Just the feel of the fabric. It's just the feel the feel of the fabric. And I think what the thing that is appealing for our brand is the size run. Mm. We're a very very inclusive brand. We, we size from extra extra small to four XL at the moment in our core ranges, which is huge. I think it's an eight. A point size run, um, it's a massive thing. Is it at the moment? Because you know, there's there's girls that's of, catering of, from like a size four to six to a size twenty six. There's four small, I guess. Yeah, four is really yeah. small, is it? Yeah, three yeah. two, yeah, four XL. Um, which our our goal is inclusion, and that's that's been a really big thing for but us. But that's a brand. Is that a brand thing though? I mean, is that more about what you stand for, inclusiveness? In I think it's inclu- a problem thing. I think it's it's identifying that there's is men and women from. Of all different shapes and sizes, they want to be wearing these products, but no one's catering for them for whatever reason that may be. So, does an extra extra large person doesn't necessarily mean the fact that it just could be a really large person, um, let's say a woman, um, do they want to wear this stuff? Hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And they want to go to the gym, and they yeah. want to feel good in the gym. Yeah, and they want to look good in the gym. Yeah, yeah. So, but you, know, how do you know that? Just feedback, really. Like feedback. we've got such a strong community as well. We get feedback constantly, um, which is great because we do get to learn what people want. And it's the same with like the tights and everything like that and how we've perfected them. We have listened to people and what they want and what they don't like about particular pairs of tights and particular brands. And then we come out and hopefully do better every single time we do a release. So so what, what sort of uh, um, unfolding here is um, all the iterations of – your your product, be it sizes, I presume price um, or premium versus non-premium, pri- the price gets attached to that, um, the fabric, the squattability, whatever the word was. <laughs> um, and But each each of these variables um, introduce another iteration of, of your product and the iterations take a long time. So 
you know, like I, I guess people, because people would think, oh, well, yeah, this went out, you know, I spent a month doing research and I found, you know, th- these really cool tights and I went to Alibaba and I ordered them and all that sort of stuff and I'm up and running away. I go, and now I've just got to run a social media platform and make sure I can deliver. Um, for those people who think that in relation to a business like yours, um, what would you say to them, um, like in terms of patience and what it takes to get through that process? I think, I think one has to be very clear um, in the difference between a business and a brand. It, take, it takes a very long time to establish a brand. You know, it, it, take, it takes a generation to establish a brand. Um, in this crazy time we're living with, with social media and e-com, it's very easy to start a business. It's easy to put a lot of money into the backing systems of a business, but not um, necessarily in selling the product. And, and when you've sold through your first couple of runs, how do you follow up? When, when you've exhausted your best friends, your best yeah. friends' friends, and you've sold everything to your family members, how do you acquire new customers and how do you build that reputation? It takes time. It takes a lot of time. And my advice in that sense is spend very little and, and focus a lot spend on Spend very little money. Yeah. Spend, spend more time on, on edifying the product and building relationships because um, it's very easy to lose money e com. Yeah. And, and, and what would you say about the concept of being patient? You, you come across a fairly patient guy. Um, what do you, I mean, like how long have you been on that? 10 years, eight years? Yeah, I think we've been eight years. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and, and it's, by the way, it's really the last, you know, 18 months. It's really, really taken off. Yeah. That's what it does. So, yeah. so, so Till, um, was working full time until up until last year. Just a year. It was pretty much full time the other job. Yeah. yeah. My full time stacks anniversary just over a year ago. Yeah. So, you, so I was managing recruitment and pretty much stacks full time. Well, then that's an important point too, because I'm mean, going to say to everyone, oh, well, if you, if you want to start up a business, keep your, your main job Yes. and do this yeah. shit at night or whenever you can. Yeah. Um, and, uh, there's an example of it and it, you've been doing that for a long time and you've only just like uh, in an over an eight year period, you've only just started kicking off. So like that's, that's pretty normal. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to get across to the audience is, you know, eight years is normal. It's, it's yeah, hundred percent. If you look at any great business, any successful business um, that's doing well over time, you know, if you have, if you listen to the founder's story, there's a whole, whole story behind it. You know, it's the same uh, proverb as, you know, Bamboo, for example, takes years and years to develop underground before it sprouts. Um, it, it just takes time. And, and most young people don't want to practice. They only see that one thing that, that is the overnight success. Yeah, totally. But they don't know how many nights before it's taken. And then they don't, and they don't also don't account for things like COVID, yeah. oh which is what I want to talk about. I'm going to go to the break and I want to talk, talk about that when I come back. Um, but I, I guess when I come back, I want to talk about the business. So I, I want to talk about a couple of things. One, your branding. Two, your community. Um, three, how your supply chain, like how do you make sure your supply chain meets the demand? Because, you know, that's a difficult thing to do. Um, and what happened during COVID? Did COVID? Which one of those did COVID interrupt? And what did you do to either take advantage of COVID or alternatively, if you had to pivot your business, what did you have to do in terms of getting your business through yep. COVID? Um, we'll go to the break and we'll come straight back. I'm here with Matilda and Don, and uh, we are talking about the brand Stacks, which is a best described as an active wear brand. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, we moved from Perth to Sydney in 2019, and uh, they're up and running here. And they've been on this venture for eight years, and they're a couple. And what's important here is we. we I mean, I before I go past that, the couple. <laughs> how does a dynamic of? I mean, how does that work between you two guys? I mean, I mean, I know it's, it's actually incredible. I, yeah, it just. Does. Don't shoot me! Come <laughs> on, don't, don't Honestly, tell me that. People, people can't fathom this part of it. But you know, I think um, it's crazy because Till is my romantic partner and my business partner, and we on each other's faces twenty four seven. But one cool thing that we often reflect on is that we get to share every experience with with each other. What we can't fathom with other couples is that perhaps, Mike, in your experience, like if. If you have a wife, you have a girlfriend, you have this crazy business experience, you've, you've hit your biggest grossing days, et cetera, and you go home and you try and explain that to your loved one, they don't get it. They don't, they're not there to celebrate with you. Till and I get to celebrate everything together, every high moment, every low moment. Um, and then what we've learned, we're quite different in the mentality of how we operate. Absolutely. Till is very analytical and logical. Um, she's not emotionally driven. I'm 
the complete opposite of that. I'm exceptionally emotional. I'm Don't exceptionally creative. creative. Big dreamer. I kind of bring him back down a little bit. I have these crazy ideas and if I had to execute all my ideas, we'd be broke. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what we've learned is there's a space where we complement each other. When if I pitch an idea to Till and if if she doesn't get it, I know it's not ready for the market. If she gets it and we sort of negotiate with each other, I know it's going to be successful. Um, so that's that's the working dynamic we we have. We have what would you do? Like, would you get up like at five? You get up really early in the morning. And first thing you do is have a coffee and just talk about what you're going to do for the day, or do you do you say, no, okay, we're we going to talk rules. about it? Yeah, what I was just going. What are the rules of engagement here? Yeah. How does it work? I mean, we both have the same like goals and passion and it's cool because we get to work towards that same thing as a team, um, which I think is amazing. It's great for our like romantic relationship as well because we have that same drive and we want to achieve the same thing together. But we do make an effort to kind of switch off, not be talking about finances in business. At That's always a tricky one. In, in, the beginning, in the beginning, I was, I, I was obsessed with the brand, obsessed with the business. So, you know, for me it was 24-7 and then – you know, it wasn't such, it wasn't the case for, for Matilda. And um, that's something we had to sort of learn. We had to come up with a rule and say, you know, we only want to speak about business during business hours, mm. um, but we need to focus on our personal lives and focus on, you know, cute date things and uh, making sure that that area is taken care of as well. So we, we came up with, and it just became normal but for it's, us. It's also very cool because our brand is so fashion focused. We love fashion. So if we're talking about, something that a designer's doing or something that we would talk about in like our social or romantic mm. relationship, it still kind of ties into the business and the brand, which is, I think is really cool because like we will talk about our passions and they, and what we love, but we also get to do that at work, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. But what I was going to ask you then, Matilda, what about the times, what about the part where it's shit things to talk about? Mm. That's good. I get it when it's uh, cool and yeah. uh, interesting. But what about when it's about money? Yeah, I he hate spent too about much, money. He spent too much money <laughs> on something or he paid, you know, he, but he bought a machine that he just didn't need to buy, could have rented or got someone else. I mean, what about that sort of shit? I mean, how does that go down? I think we're good at like just accepting things and not dwelling on them though as we, well. We trust each other. So when it comes to the money thing, um, I discuss everything with Till, but she she trusts that if my intuition is and, and my decision is that we'll do this. We'll we'll back it and go for it one hundred percent. If it doesn't work out, and if it doesn't work out, we pivot and and fix it. We don't dwell. We don't worry about certain things. Yeah. Um, no blame. That's that's my there's department. No, there's no yeah. blame. No. No, Till's very switched on when it comes to finance as well, which blew me. That's one of the things that um, blew me away when we first got together. She's very she's very smart with her finances. Um, she's very smart at spending. Very smart at understanding. You know, um, basic eco- economics. Um, and Thanks, I was dad. <laughs> uh, yeah, her dad taught her these crazy lessons. I was actually quite tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts. Good news. Ad free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm surprised by it. Um, whereas I, again, I'm a dreamer. Like I don't mind spending a crazy amount on something. Um, but I, that's where we sort of complimented each other because she'd say to me, Don, you can't really be spending X amount on this. It's not really going to yield a great return for the business. So we, we've learned to complement each other in that aspect we just understand we have like this telepathy and because we're working towards the same goal and the same dream we don't take offense to each other's ideas or if I say oh maybe we shouldn't do that Don doesn't get offended by it because we both want the same thing for the business at the end of the day which is it's funny I always say you know the best partnership is where one one where somebody um cuts the other one sews I don't mean that in a literal sense, yeah. but in your case, it could be sort of like that's where you guys make clothes. But yeah. um, cutting sewing, and I, I mean, my best business relationship is my brother. He's very good at sewing. I'm very good at cutting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I and I, I I'm hopeless at sewing, and 
he's I don't think he's all that good at um, cutting either, to be honest with you, although he would say he is. Um, so, um, and in your case, it seems like the same. I mean, like, you're more the creative growth dude, you know, and uh, looks like Matilda is sort of actually behind you with a broom sweeping up the mess you might make and yeah, making sure quite, you don't yeah, fuck up. quite often. Yeah. You know, and you don't get upset about it. I that, mean, in my relationship, my dynamics with me and my brother, because I've worked with a family member all my life, we had, when we were younger, some massive blues. He's my younger brother. Like huge, like full on. But me, I walk, I, I, I'm, I have an argument with my brother. I, I get over it like in a minute. Um, he used to sort of, used to affect him because he used to get upset. Like he would get upset because I'm my older brother and like, you know, so I would give him a mouthful. And uh, that, that's a, it doesn't happen that like that today because we understand each other. Like, but th- that dynamic's really good. They're cutting. So I, I, again, I define what it is and it makes it, makes it much easier to work with. I cut, he sews. But like you said, now fashion's an art form. I mean, I think once you put it into a definition, something into a definition, it's very e- much easier to deal with. Dynamics much easier to deal with if you actually pigeonhole things. I mean, and you're sort of you you did quite use the same definitions I'm using, but it sounds like you're pigeon you pigeonholed your strengths and weaknesses and your skills and what drives you and Matilda into a position where it's just easy to deal with it, you, and you can easily accept what comes about in terms of dynamics. 100%. And the integrity of the relationship. We have each other's back. Yep. Um, we, we trust each other's That's opinion. That's a really important one. Because my yeah. brother and I are the same. We'll die for each other yeah. in business, I'm talking about. And probably <laughs> otherwise too. But like if someone, like you can, me and him can have a fight. But if someone comes at one of us, then you get, there's an old saying I used to say, you pull the cat's tail, you get the whole fucking cat. So, you, you know, it doesn't matter which part of us you go for, you get both of us at the same time. And, you know, we're quite ferocious. So, that's a good one, that one. And I think people listening to this, if you're talking about business dynamics, whoever you pick, and sometimes it's better to pick your partner or your brother or your sister or someone like that because, to be honest with you, they will protect you no matter what mm. from, to the outside world. Well, that's how, like that mob mentality. Yeah, yeah, totally. You, you protect your family. It's your that, tribe. That's how, we, that's how it is with business. That's how it is with our staff in any case. Like we, and that's the environment we create within our brand even. I, I guess that's sort of – Tri- it's tribal, nearly. Yeah, but that's what's what's translating into the community as well. Like, Attil has a group on Facebook, for example, called Girl Gang. Um, Girl, called what? Girl Gang. Girl Matilda, Gang. Matilda's Girl Gang. Um, and I think it's got three or 4,000 girls in it, but they're hardcore Stax fans, but they all have each other's back as well. It's the most beautiful community. Um, I'm not allowed in it, but Till sort of shares <laughs> some of the stuff she's allowed to share with me, just as a decl- disclosure. But um, – I think that's one of the, the values we have as individuals is just to to practice that integrity and have great ethics and values. And it starts with us. Well, how does it work? Okay, explain, go through that the brand piece for me. I mean, I want to understand what your your view on the brand is and like how you, how have you built up the Stacks brand, like the various parts? Personal relationships. You know, Mark, I would, I would sell you myself and then you'd buy a product. You'd engage with Matilda and you'd end up supporting her and buying the product. And then you realize the product is top notch. And we can totally, com- yeah. we'd, we'd compete with any brand that's doing the same product with us at the moment and we'll beat them on price point and quality. But the, fir- the first um, point of engagement is, is engaging with us. Engaging. So how do you do that? Like what, what platforms or what methodology do you well, use to engage? Instagram is huge for us, yep. um, massive for us. We've, we've played in social um, on YouTube and stuff like that, but Instagram is probably our, our key at the moment. It's an obvious one because it's fashion, it's, it's photographable. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, so how, how do you do it? So uh, like, because, you know, people get a bit nervous about Instagram or social mediums generally, but particularly Instagram, like how do I do it? How do I cast myself? Um, how often a day do I have to put up a photograph? What do I say in the narrative? What do, when, when I use stories? Just take me through a little bit. For the Stacks IG, we use that, the Stacks Instagram, we use that like a catalogue. So we showcase all of our latest collections. When we're doing campaigns, we really treat it as a campaign. So we um, produce uh, videos and films for our new collections. Um, the Stacks Instagram is very aesthetically pleasing. It's all laid out like a like a catalogue, like a Vogue magazine kind of thing. Um, then my personal Instagram, I talk a lot about behind the scenes. I talk, I would jump on there. I jump on there daily to post. I'm on stories all day. Um, but we're resharing people. I think that's, I think that's okay. The key, the key for the Stacks IG is we reshare majority of. If the, you post on your story and you tag Stacks, we will see it and we'll reshare you on our page. Right. And I think that is. So you're using, you're making available other people's content 
for your page. Yeah. It's, not, it's not necessarily about the content. It's about showcasing that person. You know, yeah, it's that, a good story. That person gets a, gets a shout out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that's, people really love that. And Stax has come to a space where if you, like people in my girl gang group on Facebook, for example, if they see someone in Stax, they'll like go up and like be like, oh, I love your tights. Or we're wearing matching outfits, take a photo together. And I don't think that really exists with a lot of other brands, but I do think it's because of the community that Don and I have created. And it's like, if you're wearing stacks, you have the same values as Don and I, so you can be friends with everybody that's wearing stacks, if that and makes sense. And then there's the stories that we get from people that would send us messages of what they've achieved just because they started following the brand. Yeah, or they're know, confident weight in Weight loss stuff. journeys, fitness journeys, personal journeys. And then people are building friendships just because they've seen each other wearing the brand. Yeah. At the gym, for example, and they're having coffee days. How do you know? How, does it have stacks written on or something? Or does it got like a, a logo? Oh, or yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. yeah. A, a, a brand logo. So Stax's branding is quite distinctive. Um, it's very minimalistic. We focus a lot on block colors. Um, we, we believe that you should be able to pair it and wear it at any occasion. So you're talking about black, red, blue. Like when you say block, that's one color, isn't it? Yeah, one yeah. color. Yeah. We don't do a lot of pattern stuff. We have... Uh, collections in between where we'll come up and be creative and do something unique for a limited edition run. Um, but for the most part, you know, our best black ties are just are becoming world famous at the moment. Is that right? It's it's incredible. We can't keep up with the demand. It's it's mind blowing. Um, people are buying seven eight pairs at a time. I know because <laughs> serious because activewear is becoming what you know denim was yeah, in yeah. the 60s 70s dress pants it's yeah. it's literally what As you wear to work as you sit there with a denim jacket on I've got denim jeans on <laughs> yeah here Lise I'm in my tights <laughs> and by the way <laughs> of course you be by the way in the same breath most most women would be wearing black tights in, in the exact same experience yeah yeah you know, yeah I think Till's wearing them today but mm. um, it was funny I was talking the other day to someone about um, there is a rising tide in relation to tights of, of any type you know they're, they're all different types of tights that we were just talking about earlier but so how are you capitalizing on that rising tide? So, you know, like where are you digging yourself into that rising tide of, of demand? And so what are you doing to differentiate yourself from a saturation? The market is incredibly saturated right now. I mean, there's so, so many brands that are doing it, young entrepreneurs that are coming out with the same yeah, sort of product. What so what are you doing? We, what we do look, you do? We looked at our proposition. We looked at we needed to create one thing. We need to have one thing that we could propose to the market that made us different and unique. And it's the same principle as, you know, Apple's iPhone and you know Mac is um, Big Mac and Coke Curl is Coke. Uh, we branded the best black tights. We have this product called the best black tights. We've got a, we got a catalog of probably two, 300 SKUs in our, in our product range at the moment. But our one Hero product is our best black tights and is the best pair of black tights on the market at the moment for seventy four to seventy nine ninety five. Um, squat proof, moisture wicking. So tell me what makes it best. I mean, what has your research told you about? Because I, mean, I think that's very important for anyone listening. Because look, to be honest, most markets, I don't give a shit what it is. Everything's saturated. I don't care. Yeah. Just about there's there's people coming at you. Come up with a good idea within six months, everyone's doing it, and, and you're just getting diluted. And your point, you made a really good point. You've got to actually stand for something. And you've got to have one thing that you stand for, you do really well if you want to compete in a saturation environment. So can you explain to me, you guys explain to me what it is in your, I mean, your best black tights product that makes it so successful? I think, it, I mean, obviously it's, it's the most cliche things like the, the quality of the product, but we focus on creating a product that is figure flattering, you know, girls love it when it hugs you in. It looks really you mean good. Like proper stitches you in at the waist. High yes. waist, it's high. Yeah. It's, um, high. High waist means it comes up high. Comes up yeah. higher, just over the belly button. Girls love that feeling of when it holds you in. So is it about feeling? 100% about feeling and the fabric. So it's about the emotion you get out of it. 100%. So, so we, we, we allow our customers to evangelize the brand. Um, we've created this proposition. We say to you, we have the best pair of black ties for you. Try it you don't like it, we'll figure it out. We'll help you. We believe that. Honestly, it gets to a point where we love, I believe in our best black tights so much. If you don't love the tights, it's a faulty pair. Yeah. Like that's our proposition because we have nailed the best black tights and that they're our best sellers. And and that's the part that takes time. That's a brand part that takes yeah. time. Mm. And you're young too. You're lucky. I mean, you're not lucky, but you're blessed in, in a sense that you're both young, relatively speaking for business people. And you've got something that's already on top of the marketplace. 
it's always you're only as good as your last win. Of course, um, you've got to keep. Everyone's going to be trying to knock you off. Um, <laughs> what do you do about that? How do you do? How do you do, do you play defensive? In other words, defend your territory, defend the top of the hill. No. Or do, what do you do? Tell me what you do. We we stay in our own yeah. in our own space. That's something we're so passionate about. We don't compare ourselves to other brands. People say, "Who's your competitor?" We don't know. Like I, we don't have one. We are doing our own thing. You know, we're launching things that we want to launch. We're doing things the way that we want to do them and we've had success with it. So we just keep going like that. I mean, I think we've always got to stay like innovative and on top of our game and improving constantly, listening to customer feedback because we don't like, you know, if you're riding a bicycle, if you're speeding on a bicycle, you can't just stop pedaling because you'll fall off. I think you need to keep going forever. um, So no one kind of catches up as well. But we definitely don't compare ourselves to anyone else. We're just focused on what what's working well for us, and as soon as it's not, we'll pivot. I'm um, I'm exceptionally aware of the market. Like I understand the psychology, and I study all the brands doing what we're doing because I want to make sure that we're on top of what we're doing in our space. But if if we start comparing ourselves to a competitor, um, we're only trying to be the second best best version of them. Mm-hmm. We have to stay authentic. We have to keep what we do organic, and make sure we take advantage of the opportunities in the market, you know, if there's a new social media platform to get more attention, like TikTok, we have to go hard and jump on it, jump on it, understand that change. It's how you engage with the consumer psychology, how you provide a service where people are getting their shipping in two or three hours, whether we have to start working with drones or we have to start being innovative in the machine around it. We've created the best black tights. We'll keep working. And if there's a new, if there's a new way to blend the fabric, if there's new technology, we'll be first on that. We'll experiment with that. We'll test it and try it. If there's a better way to produce and a more sustainable and ethical way to produce the product, we'll we'll work on that. But as far as the product is concerned, like we're gonna grow with fashion. We're gonna grow with the industry. We we are understanding and learning about textiles. It's it's forever evolving. So why don't you just can you just quickly give me a a, a, a bit of an idea about supply chain? So I mean. You obviously haven't got someone sitting there in Surrey Hill stitching these things up. So <laughs> how does this work uh, in terms of getting meeting your demand? We, we've got about four factories in China that we work with um, that have taken a, a really long time to build relationships with. Like these people have become our family ultimately. We would, you know, if COVID wasn't around, we usually do two or three trips a year um, just to meet with the factories to make sure that they're working. In Guangzhou? Guangzhou, yeah. yeah. So, Yeah. That, that's pretty much where we have our product. And what happened when, because I know, because i got friends of mine, there are friends of mine who are in the rag trade, and uh, when COVID first hit, this is not hit here, but but COVID sort of closed down a lot of the factories in, uh, They after normally they come back from Chinese New Year, but they closed. Yeah. that. Mm. What happened? That was crazy for us. Um, so COVID broke out in China and the whole, yeah. the whole world thought we More around get it. December, January sort of thing. And it, it, Early, yeah. 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 Um, December, January, and, you know, they were – keeping under wraps and trying to, you know, figure it out and fix it internally. And our, our contacts over there, our team over there was communicating clearly uh, to us about it, but we didn't understand it. We thought, oh, it's just a flu. You know, yeah, we yeah. thought it would go away. We didn't really put too much thought into it. Um, we, and you we, caught with your tights down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> quite literally. We we um, purchased three months in advance. We, we were working on six and 12 months in advance. Um, so we had these big purchase orders in – in the line, um, and then they went on their Chinese New Year, so that's a month off. That's and around then, Feb- beginning of February, yeah. Beginning of February, and then that's when the pandemic really started breaking out um, at the end of Feb. And as I understand, they didn't open up again. They didn't open up for another two months. Yeah. So we're quite fortunate in that aspect. Uh, we had a, a container en route in the middle of COVID when the whole world went into shutdown, and I, I have to I have to say to you that we had spent all our money on the shipment. Uh, it, it's the craziest thing because we had we had forecasted to drop our biggest collection ever. Um, I think it was a uh, 40-foot container full of product, um, really, really big spend, and it was in the middle of the sea somewhere and we had no idea and if it was going to make it. The world went into lockdown. And the world went into lockdown. So Till and I are sitting um, in the office and we're just trying to navigate, like, what the fuck are we going to do? Totally. Um, we had, it, was, it, was, it was really, really tough because no one knew. You had no answers Every, everywhere you went. No one has experience no to guide you on it. Yeah. So we just kept going. Um, we had inventory in the warehouse to, to sort of sustain us. And then um, we had this phenomenal campaign planned for April, you know, Don being creative. We wanted to fly in 12 models and shoot them in this venue, et cetera. And we couldn't, you know, social distancing was a thing. Airports were shut, so we couldn't do that. So Till ended up um, 
modeling for this campaign and it we dropped it in April and it ended up being our biggest grossing campaign ever. And but um, you, did you get the, the container stuff? By the way, we ended up getting the container through. Thank um, God. Because obviously they were still shipping. Thank God. Mm. And yeah, I guess that probably would have led into the COVID story. But going back to um, the supply chain, you know, that was stressful. Um, we we learned a lot. The factory, you know, the integrity of, of the workers of there was brilliant because they, they still wanted to see through their commitments. So they still worked as much as they could. Um, and the thing to understand with um, with China is you have these cities like Guangzhou and then you have millions of factory workers that come to the cities to work and they, they get to, that's why they take the break. They go back to their villages, hmm. which is very remote. China is, is incredibly big um, and they all couldn't come back to work. So they had no uh, workers in the factories at the time. So you had the people that could work, working 24-hour shifts just to sort of keep up with um, the supply for you know, many Australian businesses and businesses around the world. So um, we're very grateful to them. I know you know a, lo- a lot of the factories over there don't get a good rep, but my goodness, like they are incredible. Well, I've heard stories that the factories over there are unbelievable. I mean, I was involved in a business some years ago, um, a technology business, where we used to get a lot of our tech built there. Um, it was um, hardware tech. And uh, like the places like going into a, a specialised hospital, everybody had white coats on yeah. and face masks and like hand gloves and special shoes. They came in, the floors are beautiful white polished concrete and everything was like, like it was as big as a football field and it was like a thousand machines and there was like people, it was like a military precision joint. Like it was full on impressive, like seriously impressive. I think there's such a stigma about factories over there, you know. With the, they're not whole, sweatshops anymore. They're not sweatshops yeah. anymore. I mean, I'm sure, and with within any industry, in any country, you're going to find people that cut corners and are unethical, but um, we spend a lot of time developing. And by the way, that factory that we work with has grown by something like three times since we started working with them. So we are able to support them as well whilst generating great revenue to grow our team here. So we're supporting two economies in our little space yeah, that yeah. we're quite proud of. Yeah, factories over there are brilliant these days. Yeah, I, I, that's that's my feedback on and my my one experience with them. That's they're pretty brilliant at what they do in that regard. So, can, can, well, what did COVID do then for you? I mean, you, you, it sounds like you just slipped through the door before the door closed. Yeah, COVID was crazy. Um, the the land of the unknown, right? Our machine was built. We I, I realized that ecom was the way for the future. Um, so we were ready. We were ready for the pandemic. We didn't understand what that meant, but. The machine was in place. You know, OzPost did a phenomenal job. Are currently doing a phenomenal job. So you use you use them for your Star Trek and OzPost yeah. for your deliveries. Yeah, yeah, and yep. DHL for international. Yep. And they've they've kept operating throughout the whole period. Every day when they come in, I was like, "You're not you're not going into lockdown, are you? You well, can still come to service. work." Yes, yeah, they were considered. I was confirming service. with the, like with the postie every day. I was like, "Please turn up tomorrow." So thankfully, that all went. We were home. so worried. I mean, to be honest, we came out on the great end of COVID. Um, we sometimes feel a bit weird saying that because so many people are struggling and you kind of feel guilty. But COVID did wonders for us in the sense of people were attentive to their phones, people working from home, people mm. had a crazy need for comfortable, active wear to wear, wear at home. It started this new revolution, if you will. So the no, no one went to work with work clothes anymore because no they weren't going to work. And that's that's going to change anyway. I mean, most people are working remotely now where yeah, people yeah. go into the office, they're not going to be wearing suits. Um, no, I, I, it's funny, you know, I... I that, that, that's one of the great things for COVID. For COVID. <laughs> one of the great things, there's not many, but one of them for me, like no one in our office wears a, a, a shirt and like an open neck shirt or anything. Everyone just chills out like it's just wearing a T-shirt in a period. You know, like if you've got something important on, you can frock up a little bit. But generally speaking, it's much more relaxed. And that's the way it should be. 100%. Yeah. There's all this bullshit wearing jackets and ties and shirts. and. I think, I think COVID forced us to to grow fast the world it's forced the world to grow fast you know e-commerce has been teasing the economy for the last 15 years not many businesses took it seriously a lot of businesses were still just stuck with brick and mortar they was they were stuck and happy to stay in their little stores and you know get on with it for however the next generation may may be but um we were ready for e-com well covid or being at home inspired us to take some risks and do something different and it's probably a little bit like in a very sort of ground down way, the way Matilda thought of her life was, oh, I'm just going to be in the recruitment business and safe. and safe and just keep doing what I'm always doing. And all of a sudden she'd come across you and, you know, like you, you gave us some inspiration. I think COVID has inspired us through necessity to make changes. And then we thought, hang on, that's pretty good. 
and uh, you know, just like in terms of business, how businesses are run, like there's inspiration come out of it and people, tights, I mean, I guess for women at least, <laughs> tights is the way to go and, and active wear generally speaking, like just, just more relaxed stuff. And I guess what you're saying to me is that um, active wear, it's actually much more functional. Like you can wear it to the gym where you can wear it hanging out. You can pick your kids up from school with it on or drop your kids off to school with it on. Or you can go down the shop and get a cup of coffee or you can meet up with a client or a customer and uh, everybody sort of feels pretty relaxed about it these days. To some extent, you were well positioned for the speed up in the way people shop and the way people live their lives. I mean, I think that's sort of, you would never know that COVID is coming, but e-commerce sped up at a speed that I've never seen it going Absolutely. before. Absolutely. We're just so yeah. grateful we were online already. Like that's, like Don said, like we didn't have to pivot from a store and jump yeah. online and learn how to manage all of that. Can you give me a sense of how much more business you did as a result? So how much more demand you experienced, you know, when people eventually worked out, hang on, it's not too bad working from home and I'm going to go buy some stuff? So we, we grew 2,000%. In what period? In the last financial year or the last calendar year. Wow. Um, and majority of that is from April leading up until this point. 2,000%. 2,000%. Yeah. It's an wow. insane um, statistic. That's a big growth. Which is crazy to think we didn't even know if our container was arriving. Yeah, like yeah. We, we honestly were so, scared. So then. the team before COVID was Till and myself in the office. We had one employee and then another casual. Mm. It was four, a team of four. So who boxes all this shit up? How do you Well, work? at the time it was Till and myself, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, Beck and then um, Jess at the time. Mm. So four of us were working before April, we now have a team of 20. Um, so we have, I think, four to six in the office and the rest are all, you know, working in, in the warehouse. We're on our warehouse. Third, we've acquired our third warehouse now. We've acquired well. our third so we've warehouse, warehouse this year. Three times. Wow. I think that's like what you said about how can we make like the black tights better, you know, when you said there's other people doing it. And Don said it's the process and the whole experience. That's the experience, the gift boxing. It's just thinking like outside of the box yeah. with the gift box. We work for our community. We yeah. want we, we want, want people to have that have experience. Have the whole experience. When you're shopping from Stacks, it's more than just getting a pair of tights. You're getting like, you're getting a beautiful box. You're getting a whole experience. So that's it. a very important point. See, because one of the things that got taken from us during, and particularly if you're in Victoria, but one of the things that got taken from us during the COVID period was experiential things. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, generally speaking, digital shopping um, doesn't give you an experience. You're not walking in the shop. You don't sort of see your friend over there or, you know, I mean, you know, you don't sort of get around touch things because there is an experience in a shop. There's colour, light, movement. There's all sorts of touch things. Touch and feel. Touch, feel, et cetera. Um, and all your sensory sort of – there's a lot of sensory outcomes as opposed to digital. You just go, oh, yeah, that's my size, that's the price, and uh, I know who they are. That's cool. But what you're doing here is you're giving us back an experience. So, because I'm often saying anything where we can actually deliver the experience that people are missing out on, not the same experience, but an experience because people are missing out on, generally speaking, on experiences. They can't travel. They can't do a lot of things, okay? Um, those experiential style businesses should do very well because, it, and by the way, I'm not paying for that experience. I'm just paying, I'm getting, I'm paying for the product, 79 bucks. But I, you're sending me an experience, and it's an experience I can actually pass on to someone else too, and I can share it by film if I want to. A lot of people do that. But I can hand, like you're saying, the experience of getting a beautifully boxed pair of tights that I might be buying for my sister, for argument's sake, I can give it to her that at Christmas time, and I can transfer that experience to her. And I think those sorts of things, they're, they're, they're really hot tips for people in business. You know, you've got to work out. It's not just about being e-commerce. E-commerce is just... Is not is is as much about all the other things as it is just about being able to not have to go to the shop and buy it it's online. It's not just about your product, and people often ask me, Don, what do you sell? Well, and that is your product, the whole experience. Yeah, it, 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 we don't sell tights; we sell to people. Yeah, we. The most important thing is your interaction with the person, the the singular person, that one person. I had the speech with our team mm. on Monday when I was saying, like, take take be vigilant when you're picking a pack in the order. Just remember that person has jumped online, has waited in queue for three hours. Um, online to buy that one product, they're thrilled to buy it. Take care when you're packing it. Like we we imagine when someone's opening up that product, they're a fan of stacks. It's it's supposed to bring them joy. It's supposed to bring them like that sense of like, whoa, this is crazy. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. I love the boxes. I feel like I love the boxes like so much more than a regular person would. Like I just, they are beautiful. And I'm all about the branding and the experience and like the luxury of receiving something. Um, yeah, our packaging's gorgeous. Yeah, so like, you know, you, you get a beautiful box. I mean, girls, I mean, I don't, but 
women tend to keep boxes too. Are these yes. keep keepable boxes, so to speak. Yeah, very. We yeah. hope they keep them expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you go that extra mile, um, but to, you cut into your margin a little bit to to you, make the experience yeah, better. Yeah, you do. Yeah, but you know, ecom can afford no, it. No, hundred percent. Yeah, because yeah, and so, well, what do you have a question for me? I'm going to ask all the questions. So, you got anything you want to ask me? Yeah, I was actually I was wondering, like, from your perspective, being experienced in business. You know, I'm looking at Bunnings, for example, and I'm wondering, will they survive the next generation if they don't go e-com, if they don't do something significant? Because I see my dad and I see my dad's dad, you know, that, that's their number one shoppers, but they're not growing. Well, then they're not going to be going there forever. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, I was wondering, like, because you're you're trendy, you're, like, you're, you're really thinking in our space, which is cool, but you also like, you know, our parents sort of generation. Um, I was wondering what your approach would be to flipping a business like that and making it relevant. I, I, th- I think when it comes to places like Bunnings, it's a very interesting thing about Bunnings. Bunnings have created, they're going to compete with people who are, who are going to be able to deliver these various products online, but Bunnings has every product, mm. from not just in terms of building materials. It, it's got to a point now where they've actually killed off anybody who wants to, who's a florist, who wants to sell, you know, vegetable uh, seedlings and all that sort of stuff. And if you want to buy something, you can buy it at Bunnings. Now, one of the things that, that I've found is that young kids – because I've tried this out with my godson, he's 11, and he loves going to Bunnings. He actually loves wandering around. I mean, people my generation, we love going to Bunnings, and I, I would go there every weekend if I could. But it's a little bit far away from, from my house, but I would go there every weekend because I actually enjoy I always end up buying shit I don't need. It doesn't, I, like, I will actually walk down aisles and say, oh, hang on, I have, that's something I need. I'd, I'll go there with a list, and then I, but I'll go down every single aisle and uh, buy what I, what I think I need, and generally speaking, it's not what I need. But I've been taking him on. A, I've taken him in a few occasions, and he actually loves wandering around. So the question becomes: Bunnings' relevance for the future, whether or not younger generations will enjoy going to places like Bunnings. And the question then comes down to: Can Bunnings provide that experience for kids to make them mm-hmm. get wedded to the idea of going to Bunnings? And once you're wedded to that idea, you you just keep doing it. You, I mean, as, as you grow up, you continue to do it. The other thing about Bunnings too is that's important, I think, as opposed to buying stuff online is like if you're going in there, to, for example, to buy um, something for home handyman stuff, like, you know, like, and we are, we're becoming much more that way, but COVID's sort of made us much more conscious and aware of what we've got to fix at home. And Bunnings has probably killed it during this period, I'd say. Um, most of us don't know what it is we're buying. I mean, I, I'm not a tradesman, tradesperson, so I don't know what I'm buying. One of the things really good about Bunnings is that they actually got people, experts in there who can well, you know, like experienced people who can tell you about paint. So a lot of times we need help. So the question becomes, is this, as opposed to your, what you sell, what Bunnings sells is so broad and such a wide array of product that it's not just the experience anymore. It comes down to, can the internet replace what Bunnings offers? Mm. I'm similar to you. I'm looking to see how Bunnings evolves in this e-commerce environment they're online, obviously, but it makes it, it's very difficult, I find, and, and they're so dominant in this part of the marketplace and they basically just priced out, drowned at everybody. Yeah. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see whether Bunnings can survive a potential um, Amazon or someone like that who might want to take them on. My gut feeling is right now, it's, it's not, I don't, I, I think Bunnings could improve a lot in terms of loyalty and all those. I don't think they reward us enough. For the people, for the people who do go there all the time, I don't. I'm not saying I want to get a reward for, it, but I don't know if they're really conscious of the importance of how how important they are to us. I don't think they realise that, mm. and I don't think therefore they reward us or, or keep us in their loop. They don't talk to me enough. Mm. I mean, I don't get enough. I don't get any much back from them from, in a uh, digital sense. Yeah, don't. we don't see anything on social. We don't engage with the brand, but and they don't engage with me either. Mm. They don't sort Community. of say, "Mate, by the way, yeah. there's these things on sale, or this is happening." you know, next week or the week after, why don't you come and have a check it out or something? Well, we notice that you've been buying these things, but have you ever thought about, you know, like th- that education process, I think Bunnings could do a lot better in the engagement as long as they know I'm someone who goes there. I just wonder if, um, you know, in the future, not too distant future, if like an Amazon player comes in and, you know, starts attacking that market share with a better experience and a better... Um, well, that's what I'm saying. Bunnings experience. need to make it the, ex- mm. the experience better, but the digital experience needs to be better. I mean, the experience is pretty good once you're in there, but you need to get a better digital experience. And Amazon um, 
could do this. I mean, like, because they could just build a massive warehouse somewhere. And, and it's about real estate too because you, you do, I think you do have to go there to these stores where you buy goods like Bunnings type stuff because, you know, it's, it's not like going to, um, it's, not, it's not like buying a pair of tights. You know, once I've got them, I know they fit, they're good. You know, at Bunnings, you're buying a nail. You might need this size nail, that size yeah. nail, that size screw, this size screw. But then you need a bloody a drill bit. Then you need to buy the drill. Then you need to buy, the, you know, like it just goes on and on and on. Uh, whereas buy the tights, I've got the tights, so I'm, I'm cool. Um, I'd hate to see Amazon take control of this, though. I would not like that. I would be really unhappy if someone like Amazon took Bunnings out of the market. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Really good to have you. That's Thank so, you so cool. Much. Thank you so much. Stacks. Appreciate the active it. brand. <laughs> Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.